Hello everybody, welcome back to the Dragon's Library. Today is a special bonus episode to help make up for the fact that I was out of week sick. And today we are talking about a new Netflix show called Archive 81. This is a really interesting show for me. First up, it is the first adaptation of a podcast I've ever heard of. So yeah, Archive 81 was originally a podcast series, apparently it had four seasons, and Netflix decided to adapt it, which is just really fascinating on, like, multiple different levels. It's sort of a horror found footage series that documents uh, a plot that stretches across three different timelines, or three different time periods, all kind of converging into an overall story. So the plot will, like, jump around a bit. Um... The main premise reminded me a bit of the Magnus Archives in that it's about this guy who's, you know, going through old recordings of some supernatural event that took place mysteriously, um, you know, hired to do so. And as he learns more about doing it, as he goes through the tapes and, you know, restores them, uh, he realizes there's a bigger plot going on and that something supernatural is starting to go on in the background. The tapes are acting weird. You know, he's starting to see things. Um, and a horror plot unfolds. Meanwhile, the tapes themselves document a um, mysterious uh, the mysterious disappearance of someone called Melody Pendris, who went missing after a fire burned down a building, along with multiple other residents who were never found. And her documentation of her going to live at this new apartment complex to document its history because she believes her mom might have lived there and her mom abandoned her at birth. And it slowly unfolds into a larger conspiracy involving demonic monsters from other realms and a cult that may have existed in up to th as many as three different time periods. It might still exist today. And that they, somebody, they keep trying to resurrect the same demon. Things always go badly when they do. Um, the past, the, past plot, like, not the really back in the first, like, the first era of the cult was just, like, the 1960s thing, which was a little weird, and the second iteration, um, reminds me a lot of Rosemary's Baby in the tone, like, as Melody's going through this place, and everyone's kind of just like, there's nothing wrong here, don't worry, dear, you just need to stay here with us, um, and they're all trying to use her for something, for something strange with the ritual, um, and then meanwhile, um, Daniel Dan Turner is being constantly told that, you know, being constantly called by the guy who hired him and brought him out to this, you know, isolated facility in the middle of nowhere, surrounded by a fence with a, no Wi-Fi and no cell signal, except in this one small spot in the forest. He's like, do you need help? Do I need to send a mental, do I need to send a mental health, uh, services to, to you? Because he's constantly worried because apparently the last person who wanted to record these tapes and restore them went insane. So it has like a, that very feeling of Rosemary Baby of everyone around you is constantly trying to keep you here. And his only uh, connection to the outside world is this one friend who he manages to stay in contact with. It's all very... Um, it's all very the horror, the horror uh, antagonist is trying to like gaslight the hero kind of thing. And I found it really engaging. Especially since you don't know how much of it is real and how much of it is him actually going insane. Which is like, that's always a big question for us. Like, is he actually seeing these things or is there a supernatural force driving him mad? Um, all in all, it's a very interesting show. 
that uses its found footage horror style very well. Um, I really like how they have a few different types of camera and they all have different varying levels of quality. The main problem with it is that they switch, uh, they kind of drop the found footage in a lot of ways. So like they'll have like the opening scene be like through recordings and they'll have a lot of scenes through recordings, but every once in a while they'll just pop into like a normally shot scene. Um, outside of the recording, give us more background image than, uh, Daniel is actually supposed to have. Now, a few of these are, like, weird hallucination things, and that's fine. But sometimes you'll just, like, he'll just, like, it'll just cut to a normal scene, and we'll see, like, part of the footage, and then a lot more stuff around it. Which, I'm not sure I feel about. On one hand, it's kind of needed, you know, for you to understand the mystery. But, by the other hand, I kind of feel like they cut a lot of scenes that could have just been found footage in order to extend the runtime. Because having Melody have her own full-fledged scenes and not just have it be found footage, uh, allows her to develop more as a character, and it allows them to have a longer-running series. Like, this barely reaches the eight the eight episodes it needs to be a Netflix series, and that's with all the extra stuff they add in. So if they took it out, I'm not sure it would have been a full, full-fledged series for season one. And I think that is a problem with podcasts in general, is that they have a lot of... Because they're audio, they have to put a lot more work into establishing the tone and actions of characters... Through, you know, long, drawn-out scenes of, like, people bashing people over the head with a pipe or crunching their feet through sand. Um, and those scenes don't really drag out as long for a full-fledged series. Plus, podcast episodes, at least for the Magnus Archive, I haven't watched Archive 81. I mean, listened to Archive 81. But they tend to be only around, like, 20 minutes, whereas these tend to be, like, 40 minutes. So trying to get a single season of a podcast into a single season of a TV show, yeah, you're going to need to add some more content in there to, to make it work. That's understandable. I think it did a really good uh, job of of releasing the feeling. I might review the Archive 81 podcast in order to give a better view of this. But all in all, I think this was a pretty good show. Uh, I'm looking forward to season two. The actors were great. The effects were good. And yeah. So I'm going to be getting into the spoiler in a bit of it. But I would give this a 8 out of 10. It's a good show. Check it out. Worth seeing. All right, and now let's get into the mystery. So the main thing is we have Daniel Dan Turner, who is this film restorer. He's asked to, you know, asked by this creepy uh, guy. He gets this weird job at work at the library to restore this strange tape of Melody uh, Pendris. He looks her up and realizes she disappeared. Tries to ask what it's about, but turns out it was some sort of like blind interview for a job offer. So this guy wants... Saw him to look at the tapes. They're very sensitive materials. So we'll have to do it at this separate facility out in the woods. Uh, he gets there and realizes the building is completely empty. It's fully decked out for him. And he keeps being told, hey, if you need any mental health service, just give us a call. Uh, a bit of researching quickly reveals that the last person who did this went completely insane. So, you know. Obviously, he lets his friend, um, Sam... What was his name? Um... Do, do, do. Mark, who runs, like, this little podcast, and he very quickly re- recognizes and says, dude, this is some, like, really creepy horror movie stuff. It's like, yeah, it is. So I found this small spot in the woods that has cell service. I tied a uh, shoestring over here. I'm going to be calling you regularly to do some research for me on the side on this, make sure it's all on the up and up. And if you don't hear from me, you should probably assume a monster tried to eat me or something like that. It's like, it's like they, I run through the characters realize pretty early on that nothing about this is normal and that at minimum, the guy might have been involved in Melody's murder. And at worst, there might be something actually supernatural going on here. 
and they very quickly realize that, yeah, there probably is something very supernatural going on here. This is all very, very wrong very quickly. Uh, Dan begins experiencing weird out-of-body experience dreams that reveal more about the murders. The Tates begin acting strangely. Uh, this weird demonic creature begins lurk, seems to be lurking inside them, and the static in them um, is constantly cutting through. Characters in the tapes seem to be acting way very, very strange. People in the apartments, Melody is interviewing to get like a background on the apartment as part of her uh, uh, assignment for college, and partially also as her uh, attempt to figure out more about her mother who might have lived here. Are quickly revealed to be very, very strange. Some of them acting odd, almost possessed at times. And then she notices that, and then one day she goes down and realizes there's this strange chanting always at some nights. Well, she goes down there and finds there's a big old club, the Historical Society. And they seem to be strangely chanting in front of a demonic statue and then have a weird orgy cult thing going on. And yeah, it's very quickly like, yeah, this place is weird. Um, there are some drug addicts on the sixth floor, uh, huffing this strange mold that seems to grow in this place, and that she's warned over and over again not to get exposed to it. She invites her friend over for a little while, and she starts painting some stuff, um, with this strange, strange older woman upstairs, only to go all like, oh my, Melly, we should stay here. This place is so nice. Um, you know, very strange, very taken in by it all. Which is, you know, obviously a pretty strong turn from where she was originally. And it's quickly revealed that there's some kind of demonic cult here and they want Melody and also this other um, little girl who's, whose mother lives there as well called Jess. Who has these weird strange seizures and feelings of emptiness and being drawn to something. And they're both going to be used as conduits in some sort of weird demonic summoning ritual in order to make the better world for them to live in. You know, the demon cult stuff. Um, this is revealed to be linked to even older uh, cult activity, which burned down the mansion on the, pl- on the plot of land where this, uh, where this apartment complex now stands. And yes, it's all very weird. Uh, apparently, the de- there's a lot of things about, like, you know, the old beliefs of, Spirits being able to be trapped in photos and how video cameras could reveal that, which was not there. Eventually, it's revealed that long, long time ago, uh, a group of mystics sealed away a demon at the cost of their own magical abilities. But their bloodline has the ability to open the door between those worlds. So an old cult had lured one of those uh, mystics' descendants to their compound. The mystic realized what they were trying to do and stole the book tried to steal the book, but died. They used a bit of her blood to try and summon the demon, but it went horribly wrong. Their head member got taken into the other world, and the and the entire mansion burned down. Years later, uh, those who were related to those who started the cult tried again in the hotel. They attempted to use Melody and Jess. Uh, Me- Jess was supposed to be the conduit for it. Uh, Melody was also an unknowingly a descendant of those uh, same mystics, and it, uh, something horrible happened, and the building burned down. Years later, these tapes have the ability to activate the portal again. Basically, you use the book, you use the blood, you use, um, a strange resonance, and you use, uh, taped or photographs of the monster, and you can open up a gateway. However, the monster can't get out without 
the permission of one of the uh, blood relatives and also a special physical key, a sort of chime, a resonance fork that you get to chime in the right order. This is revealed by the old groundkeeper lady who is, surprise, surprise, revealed to be Melanie's mother who left her at the orphanage because she didn't want her daughter to be hunted forever by their those who seek to use their blood to summon unspeakable monsters from other worlds. Which, yeah, that's fair. Uh, <laughs> and it's revealed that the that Samuel Spare, the leader of the cult, uh, lured her there with this false identity that her mother had lived there for years. So basically, he created the fiction that her mother had been there for so long um, in order to do that. In addition, it's real Daniel Daniel Turner has a relation to Melody in the fact that his father was her psychologist. Uh, her, you know, was her, uh, basically her therapist, essentially. And, um, had been trying to help her when the building burned down, trying to prevent her from, you know, getting caught up in all this and save once he realized he was, she was in danger. But he failed, and then those who would seek to destroy anyone related to this kind of cult magic forever, uh, burned down his house. There apparently is some other mysterious group who will stop at nothing to prevent this from ever happening, including murdering people. You know, the other side of the extreme from the demon cult murdering people. And apparently Daniel Turner, Dan, Daniel had been walking out the dog that night when they burned the house down. And that's the only reason he's still alive. Meanwhile, you have Virgil, uh, Davenport, who is now the brother of Samuel Spare, who is trying to summon the demon um, you know, after all these years by getting Daniel or someone else to review the tapes and act as a conduit, go in there and open the door. Uh, meanwhile, the creepy old mother, the creepy old woman who was actually Iris Voss, who was, I think, not, not Iris Voss, but I forget her name. Um, you know, but who was Melody's mother, uh, has been trying to use it use him in order to get Melody out of this other world, because apparently she got trapped in there during the cult's final attempt at ritual when she was attempting to save Jess, um, who's now grown up, her friends are grown up, and they, you know, uh, they basically do a controlled version of the ritual to try and go in and pull her out. Daniel goes in there to pull her out, and they face off against the cool monster. The monster design is very interesting. It's like this weird faceless design that reminds me a lot of, um... God, what does it remind me of? It reminds me of the Birch from Burdeo. Um, that's from like Crypt TV's small horror stuff. That's what it kind of reminds me of, actually. Very, very interesting design. I really like it a lot. Uh, especially when it's like emerging from the TV static. Shots like that are all really, really cool. But um, Daniel manages to pull her out just in time. But surprise, surprise, he's nowhere to be seen. Odd. Wonder what's going on. Meanwhile, Daniel wakes up in a hospital. Uh, she be told he miraculously survived that strange fire and they found him in the rubble. Uh, because, dun dun dun! He's in the past now and Melody's in the future. What are they gonna do? Uh, that's actually a really interesting hook for season two. That's like a way to continue it after this main spot. It's like, alright, so now we gotta figure out what happened to Daniel in the past and Melody will be the one investigating the future with Mark and her mother. That's actually cool. I really like the idea behind that, and I think it's a really, really uh, nice hook for season two. I'm probably going to end up listening to this on as a podcast, so I might do a separate review of Archive 81 as a podcast series, so look forward to that in the future. 
this is, episode was a little short. Didn't have much to say about Archive 81. There's uh, some other things, but uh, I'm just also just still not feeling that great right now. Tomorrow, I will be uh, posting my review. On Monday evening, I'll post my review of um, Existentially Challenged by Yahtzee Croshaw. And on Tuesday morning, I will have the review of... Um, sorry. <laughs> the Scream movie, because I'm going to go see that on Monday evening as well, um, going up. So look forward to both of those in the future. See you guys next time. Bye. I hope you enjoyed listening to this episode, and thank you for listening to The Dragon's Library. Please, subscribe to this podcast to be notified of new episodes. The Dragon's Library releases new episodes Tuesday and Friday each week, and you can follow us on Twitter at dragon underscore library 2. If you want to suggest an episode topic, my email is in the description below. As always, thank you so much for all your support.